Nehemiah chapter number one is where we're going to be tonight. And if you would take your Bible and turn over there. Nehemiah chapter one. So, uh, Brother Terry, you were talking about that church in Japan, Maranatha. Um, Miss Crawford, you were a part of that church. You and your husband were, and family, uh, when uh, he was stationed out there, James was. And so they have a connection there. I don't know if you guys knew that, that you guys were in that same church. Okay. But now you all know that. So there you go. Um, <clears throat> and so that song that we just sung, and I need to find it on the hymnal again, page 26. There it is. Um, that Ebenezer, um, that... Um, what that means is he's right, um, a divine assistance there. But it says, here I raise mine Ebenezer. And then, and then it really, that, that next little phrase kind of defines it. Hither by thy help I'm come. Uh, it's, it's the Lord's help. And uh, so when it says, here I raise mine Ebenezer, it's basically saying, hey, it's the reason I'm here where, where, I, where I am is because of the Lord's help and the Lord's assistance. So, uh, just a couple things I was thinking as we went through that uh, portion of the service. So, all right, Nehemiah chapter number one, and uh, we're going to pick it up in verse number four, and uh, we'll kind of just do a super fast review over what we uh, discussed last Sunday, last Wednesday, and then uh, hopefully we'll finish it. But again, no promises. Uh, Nehemiah 1 verse 4 says, And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house uh, have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. <clears throat> Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, if you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the, heathen, of the heaven, yet will I gather them from the fence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name. And prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. And uh, let's pray one more time before we get into the uh, message. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for allowing us to gather together uh, tonight uh, to fellowship with one another sing praises unto you, uh, to hear about what's going on in our missionaries' lives, um, and Lord, to also have time in your word and to understand, to learn more about uh, prayer and uh, how we should pray, 
And uh, Lord, I pray that you would instruct us tonight and uh, help us to uh, have ears to hear and uh, a heart to apply these uh, truths to our prayer life. We pray these things in your name. Amen. <clears throat> well, last Wednesday, we started talking about uh, this prayer, this Nehemiah's prayer, the prayer that sparked a national revival. And we mentioned, if you recall, last Wednesday night that um, all national revivals can always be traced back to a prayer meeting, to some type of prayer. Um, and Second uh, Chronicles 7.14 gives us the uh, recipe, the prescription, the formula for revival. And it says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, then God says, I'll hear from heaven I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And uh, last Wednesday night, I, I read uh, an excerpt from a book that uh, went through one of the uh, great revivals that took place in the late 1800s. Um, and the reason that that happened was because it started with a prayer meeting where only six people showed up at first. And then before long, uh, that, that, that really spread and spread and uh, hundreds of thousands of people um, perhaps even up to a million people were saved, and you can trace it back to a prayer meeting. Prayer is the spark that uh, can bring about revival in, um, in, in a nation. And uh, if there's ever a nation that needs revival, I believe it is America in 2021. Uh, we have, I mean, you, you know, an honest historian will... Uh, let you know that this country was founded upon the Word of God, the principles of God's Word, of morality, of godliness. And uh, boy, we are not that in that scenario anymore, are we? And uh, we do need revival. Well, it's not going to happen by, as I mentioned last Wednesday night, doing protests and uh, doing all kinds of things on social media and uh, joining all these local clubs and um, all those things. Hey, those are great things, but that's not what's going to bring revival. What's going to bring revival is what God says in 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. That's what's going to bring about revival. And that was such the case for Nehemiah. It all started with the prayer here in uh, chapter number one. We don't have a wall. I think the wall takes place in uh, chapter number it's, five, it's chapter 6. There we go. 6 verse 15. So the wall was finished in the 20 and 5th day of the month Elu in 50 and 2 days. So it took them 52 days. Well, there, th this wall would have never started or finished had prayer not taken place first. And so we want uh, God to do some great things. We want, you know, our country to get back to God. Well, that's not going to happen unless we have chapter 1. And chapter 1 is prayer, okay? So here we go uh, as we go through the outline here just to help us to stay on track. Uh, number one, we mentioned uh, what Nehemiah did here and what we need to do is to reflect on our situation. Reflect on your situation. He took the time to notice what was happening and, and, uh, and he cared about it. In uh, verses two and three, uh, Nehemiah, well, verse ne verse three, Nehemiah, um, he 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 asked them in verse two. I'm sorry, 
And I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. In verse 3, they give them the report. Well, here's what Nehemiah did in verse number 4. He was like, oh, no biggie. No, that's not what verse 4 says. He says, boy, when I heard these words, it caused me to sit down and weep and mourn certain days and be willing to even fast and pray before the God of heaven. So he cared enough to do all of those things. And as we look at our country, uh, do we really care that we're in the situation we're in? Do we care enough uh, to um, be moved to tears, be moved to mourn and fast and pray before the God of heaven? That's the question. And uh, God, I mentioned last, uh, last Wednesday night, God did not create us to be ostriches um, to put our head in the stand, Okay. That's, that's their job. That's what they're good at. That's what they were designed to do. That's not what you and I are designed to do. You and I are designed to be aware and to be sober and to uh, watch and know what's going on. We don't need to be consumed with what's going on so much that we're just like, oh, I got Pastor said we need to know what's going on, so I got to watch the news 24-7. No, there, there's a balance uh, of knowing what's going on and, and, uh, and being obsessed and consumed with that. All right, and uh, I believe Nehemiah had a, a healthy balance of wanting to know what was happening. So he reflected on our situation, and, and we need to do that too. And then, number two, we need to recognize who can help. Uh, when he realized the situation that he was in, he realized he needed some help. Now, he needed the king's help. He needed uh, the different people that helped build this wall and repair the wall. He needed their help. But before he needed any of their help, uh, he recognized who, is, who it was that he needed most. And that was verse number four. He says, I prayed before the God of heaven. That's who he knew he needed most. And when you and I are going through a difficult situation, we need to remember who can help us the most. Now, can a friend help? Yes. Can a doctor help? Yes. Could uh, you know, other people help for sure. God can use all of those people, which God did use all of those people in Nehemiah's day, right? But it wasn't until uh, that Nehemiah prayed first, then the Lord started working and bringing the people necessary to make this uh, process work. And so you and I go through a difficult thing. Instead of immediately picking up the phone and starting to call people, why don't we drop to our knees first and talk to the one who can help us the most? Um, and so that was the encouragement there. We, we spent a lot more time on that. But, um, and then number three, here starts the prayer in verse number five, and that was regard God's character. Verse number five, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. So, Nehemiah spends verse 5 really just talking to God about who God is and being reminded of who God, who God is and his character. And uh, so before we go rushing into his presence asking for things, let's take a moment to think about who he is. Take time to think about who it is we are talking to, right? And uh, we learned this in the model prayer that Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 6, when he said, when, when you pray, pray after this manner, our Father which art in heaven. He didn't go, 
pray, pray like this. Hey, God, give me this. Give me that. No, there was, there was some time there that uh, was spent understanding and being reminded of who God is. All right. That's basically how uh, we ended last Wednesday night. Well, the last thought was, okay, if you were invited to the Oval Office, how would you come into that, uh, that room? Would you come in, you know, just barging in? I'm like, I got to tell you something, uh, President Biden. Uh, and uh, boy, we spent a little bit of time on that, uh, talking about him. We don't want to get off, off track there. But I mean, how would you walk in? I mean, it's a special place because of who sits in the office, who sits in that chair. Now, God has called us to come boldly into the throne of grace. Um, remember who we're talking to when we are in that throne room. Um, it's, it's not just your buddy. I mean, yes, he is the friend of sinners, but we need to remember that he is God. And, and Nehemiah spends verse 5 reminding himself and uh, talking to God about who God is. So regard God's character. All right, number four, and uh, he gets into this in verses six and seven here, and that is repent of your sin. So as you go into prayer, Nehemiah did, he spent first talking about uh, God's character. And uh, how many of you heard the, uh, the acronym ACTS when it comes to prayer? A-C-T-S, a lot of us have, and I've shared it a few times here. Um, A stands for adoration, C stands for confession, and uh, we see this pattern here played out in Nehemiah chapter 1 because verse 5 is the adoration part. He spent some time talking about God, talking to God about who he is and and his character and adoring him for that, and then verses 6 and 7 get into the confession here. Verse 6 says, let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night. So this isn't even a point in the outline here, but uh, he's praying before the Lord day and night. So he's fervent and it's frequent and it's, um, and it's persistent, uh, his prayer is. Uh, but then here he goes, it says, For the children of Israel, thy servants, and here it is, I, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Now notice he doesn't say in verse 6, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which they have sinned against thee, both them and uh, their father's house have sinned. Verse 7, they have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not. See, he includes himself in this. That's a big deal. Uh, a lot of times as we look out into our country today and we see the condition of our country, we're like, all those people are really bad. Lord, would you please forgive their sin? But see, the way Nehemiah put it is, Lord, please forgive our sin. We have dealt very corruptly, uh, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. And this goes back to pride and humility, right? And uh, Nehemiah certainly is displaying some humility here because he says, look, I'm part of the problem too. I don't want to just point my finger at everybody else. 
Uh, we, we see this happening in, uh, in Isaiah in, in his life. I want you to turn, if you would, to Isaiah chapter number 5. Isaiah chapter number 5. Uh, here Isaiah is the prophet that has been called by God to deliver a message to the nation of Israel. And so, and so he does. And uh, he issues several different woes to uh, the people here. Again, because God's told him to do this. But let's look at a few of these verses here. Isaiah chapter 5. We'll be back in Nehemiah in a moment here. But Isaiah 5 and verse number 8. He says, Woe unto them that join house to house, that lay field to field till there be no place, that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. So he says, Woe to them. In verse number 8. Verse number 11. Woe to them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink, that continue until night, till wine inflame them. So here again, woe unto them. Verse 18, woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity, and sin as it were with a cart rope. So woe unto them, woe unto them, woe unto them. Verse 20, this is probably the more famous verse in the entire chapter here. Woe unto them. They call evil good and good evil that put darkness for light and light for darkness that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Verse 21, woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them, verse 22, that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink. So here there's several different woes. How many is that? That's one, two, three, four, five, six different woes that he uh, puts out to everybody else. And uh, Isaiah in chapter number 5 is the average Christian as we consider uh, the condition of our nation. We're like, hey, woe unto the Democrats. Woe unto the LGBTQ community. Woe unto the woke crowd. Woe unto them. Woe unto them. Woe unto them. So that's chapter 5. Let's look in, in chapter 6 of Isaiah. Verse number 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. One cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And then said I, woe is, what's that next word? Me. So in chapter 5, six different times he said, woe unto them. But then after Isaiah gets a real a good, healthy glimpse of who God is and his character, he says, okay, <laughs> woe is me actually. Now the other woes weren't, incorrect they were correct but Isaiah needed to get a little perspective change and instead of going hey everybody else is the problem actually maybe I'm part of the problem too because look what he says in verse 5 then said I woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for mine eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts. So here we have a man who 
at first was like, all right, yeah, everybody else is the problem. And then the Lord kind of puts a mirror in front of him and says, actually, <laughs> the guy you're looking at is part of the problem too. And see, Nehemiah understood that when he prayed. If you flip back over to Nehemiah, he totally understood that. He didn't say, well, everybody else is just horrible, and that's why this happened. He said, no, no, Lord, we have dealt with thee, or we have dealt very corruptly against thee. Verse number six, uh, the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned, both I and my father's house have sinned. So as we think about the condition of our country, I, I, I know maybe you're not involved in some of this lifestyle stuff and all these sins that are going on in the world, but in a sense, it is our fault because it's happened on our watch. Now, I realize that it's a little more complicated than that, and way back when, a lot of things, it didn't just happen overnight, obviously, but I am telling you it is happening quicker and quicker as time goes on. The, you know, it's like that, that uh, ex it's exponential in the, uh, the direction we're going. Um, and again, we can blame everyone else, but uh, God wants to put in front of us a mirror and say, okay, you, you keep pointing, now go ahead and keep pointing, but point at the mirror. Because uh, we're partly responsible for this. And that's why, again, 2, Corinthians, 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people, which are called by my name, it's going to require us to humble ourselves to admit that we have, uh, we're part of the problem. Uh, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then he promises to hear from heaven, forgive our sin, and heal their land. Um, so we need to take ownership and to realize that, again, we are part of the problem. And uh, when we go before the Lord, obviously, when we understand who it is we're talking to, that should lead us to a confession. Uh, where we're willing to get right with God. Um, David certainly had that opportunity in Psalm 51. When Nathan, the prophet, comes and says, Hey, I've got a story for you, David. You're going to love it. Well, David gets irate, and he gets livid about the situation. And Nathan's like, Okay, it's not a real story, but you're the man. Thou art the man. You know, you the man, David. And uh, he, when he was confronted with his sin, he uh, realizes that what he did was wrong, and it's, he's tired of hiding it. So as we repent of our sins, it requires a couple things. It requires us to admit and agree, but then it also requires us to abandon it. Okay, admit, it to, admit and, and agree. Perhaps you've heard how confession is good for the soul. How many have heard that before? I think probably most of us have heard that confession is good for the soul. Well, I read about four preachers uh, who've, who met for a friendly gathering. And during that conversation, one preacher said, you know, our, our people, you know, in our church, they, they come to us and they pour out their hearts. They're, they confess certain sins and, and uh, needs that they have in their life and 
I, I think it'd be healthy for us, you know, as preachers. We don't really have people to do that with. So, hey, we're all friends here. We're, this, is a, this is our safe place, you know. I, I think it'd be good for us to do the same thing. Because, right, after all, confession is good for the soul. And so after a little while, they all agreed to participate in this uh, group confession time. One confessed, one preacher did, that he liked to go to the movies and would sneak off away from his church, uh, went away from his church. The second preacher confessed to liking to smoke cigars, and the third preacher confessed to uh, like playing cards. Now, when it came to the fourth one, he was, he was pretty quiet. He didn't want to say anything. The others pressed him saying, okay, preacher, you know, we, we confessed ours. Now I want, it's your turn. You, you need to go too. Uh, what is your secret? What is your vice? And finally he answered, well, it's gossiping and I can hardly wait to get out of here. <laughs> uh, he, confession is good for the soul, uh, but uh, here's, here's, a, here's a real story that... Uh, so again, I mentioned David and how he was confronted. Before he was confronted, how do you think David really felt about hiding the sin that was in his heart? I mean, nobody knew, and uh, everything was going well. But here's what David says in Psalm 32 and verse number 3 about this, the time that he was hiding his sin. How did he feel? Psalm 32, 3 says, When I kept silence... My bones waxed, waxed old through my roaring all the day long. I mean, it was starting to affect him physically. And uh, when, when you and I have sin in our heart and our life and, and no one else knows it, and uh, we're just trying to like hide it and keep it under wraps, over time, it's going to start affecting us and that guilt's going to start eating us up. He said, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long, David said. There was a faithful pastor of yesteryear named Dr. F.E. Marsh. And he tells that on one occasion he was preaching on this idea of uh, and the, the importance of confession of sin. And whenever possible of making it right to those who you've done wrong to. Well, at the close of the service, uh, a young man, a member of the church, came up to him with a uh, pretty troubled countenance. And he said, Pastor, you've put me in a really bad fix. See, I, I've wronged another person, and I'm ashamed to confess it or to try to make it right. You see, I'm a boat builder, and the man I work for is an infidel. He's unsaved, doesn't know the Lord. He says, I, I've talked to him often about his need for Christ and urged him to come and hear you preach, but he just ridicules it and scoffs and pushes it aside. But uh, I've actually been guilty of something that if I would make him aware of it, it will completely ruin my testimony forever. He then went on to say that some time ago he started to build a boat for himself in his own yard. In this work, copper nails are used because they do not rust in the water. Well, these nails, because uh, they are copper, they are actually quite expensive. And the young men had been carrying home quantities of them to use on the job. So he basically swiped them from his boss to use on his own boat. He knew it was stealing, but he tried to you know, soothe his conscience by telling himself that 
You know, his boss had so many nails, he would never miss them. And besides, he wasn't, he wasn't being paid all that he thought he deserved anyway. But this sermon that the pastor just preached had brought him to, the, to face the fact that he was actually just a common thief for whose dishonest actions there were no excuses. But, he said, I can't go to my boss and tell him what I've done or offer to pay for those that I've used and return the rest. Because if I do, he'll think I'm just a hypocrite. And yet those copper nails are digging into my conscience. And I know I shall never have peace until I put this matter right, he said to the pastor. And for weeks the struggle went on and on. Then one night he came to Dr. Marsh and exclaimed, Pastor, I've settled for the copper nails and my conscience is relieved at last. Now the pastor asked, well, what happened when you confessed to your employer what you had done? Oh, he answered, he looked at me and exclaimed, George, I always did think you were just a hypocrite. But now I begin to feel there's something in this Christianity after all. Any religion that would make a dishonest workman come back and confess that he had been stealing copper nails and offer to settle for them must be worth having. Dr. Marsh asked if he might use that story and was granted permission. Well, sometimes after, afterward, he told it in another city, that copper nails story. The next day, a lady came up and said, uh, Doctor, I have had copper nails on my conscience, too. Why, surely you are not a boat builder. She said, no, no, but I am a book lover, and I have stolen a number of books from a friend of mine who gets far more than I could ever afford. And I decided last night I must rid, rid, get rid of the copper nails. So I took them all back to her today and confessed my sin. I can't tell you how relieved I am. She forgave me and God has forgiven me. I'm so thankful the copper nails are not digging into my conscience anymore. The pastor told this story many times and almost invariably people have come to me afterwards telling of copper nails in one form or another that they had to get rid of. On one occasion, they, he told it at a high school chapel service and the next day, the principal saw me and said, as a result of that copper nail story, Ever so many stolen fountain pens and other things have been returned to their rightful owners. Amazing. Are there copper nails in your life? Of course, that's a question I need to ask tonight. Uh, let's stop pushing it aside and get it right. Uh, that's what Nehemiah was trying to do here. He was trying to admit and agree with God regarding his sin. But then, that's only part of it. Uh, we not, don't just need to agree that it's sin, but then we need to abandon that sin. See, Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 13 says, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. These are the ones who like to sweep their sin under the rug, and it's still there, but nobody can see it. Uh, except for God, of course. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and then and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So admitting and being honest about our sin before the Lord 
and before others if we have sinned against them. And then we forsake where we're going to not keep repeating the same things over and over again. Um, and a lot of people think, well, I'm going to just sin here and then I'll confess it and then God will forgive. Because, right, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. I'm thankful for that verse. But the idea is that we don't continue in sin uh, even though we are going to confess it. So here Nehemiah spends some time repenting of his sin, and you and I need to do the same as well. Okay, we're halfway done with the whole message, and uh, we're about out of time tonight. Let me, let me at least finish this uh, number five here, and uh, then we'll, uh, we'll probably wrap it up for tonight. Remember God's word. Remember God's word. Verse number eight. As uh, Nehemiah is praying here, he gets into verse number eight and says, Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from the fence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are uh, references that uh, Nehemiah remembers in that moment. And uh, so the encouragement for us is when we pray, it's a good thing to remember God's promises and God's warnings as well. And that's what he was remembering here. Now it wasn't because God forgot and he was reminding God. Now, it does indicate that he's asking the Lord to remember. The Lord always remembers. <laughs> he doesn't have a short-term memory. He's not losing his, you know, I'm, I've lost my hair. I'm losing my eyesight. I'm starting to lose my hearing. My, I'm wondering what's, what's next, you know. It's like, man, come on. I just had my, uh, my half birthday yesterday. Does anybody else in the room celebrate their half birthday? Nobody. I'm the only one. I am the only one. Well, I'm going to, leadership is influence, and I'm going to try to influence our church to start celebrating your half birthdays. It's a good thing to do. Getting, getting ice cream on your half birthday, that's a, that's a wonderful thing to do. So yesterday was my or not yesterday, Monday was my half birthday. See, I'm already losing my memory. See, <laughs> it's, it's going like that. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm halfway to 89 right now. I'm over halfway to 89. Uh, that's, how, that, that's where I'm at. Um, and uh, the thing is, is, you know, as we get older, of course, our memory does start to fade. But, but God, who is eternal, he has the perfect memory. He, he'll never forget his word. And so as Nehemiah is saying here, remember I beseech thee the word, the Lord's like, I don't need to be reminded. Who really needed to be reminded in that moment? It was Nehemiah that needed to be reminded. And uh, you and I, when we're going through a difficult time, it's important for us to remember, the, remember God's word too and, and even to pray the scriptures. And many times in the Bible when people pray, they would quote scripture, Nehemiah being one right here. What scriptures did he, uh, did he quote? Well, he quoted Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 64. Most of us don't really have that particular verse memorized, but Nehemiah did. And, uh, and then there's others too. In verse number 9, it was Leviticus. Uh, 
a, a verse from Leviticus there that uh, he brings up in this situation. And it's, it's good to pray scripture. Uh, Nehemiah did here. Mary did. Remember after she uh, was with child and uh, she went to go meet Elizabeth and then, uh, then she went into her prayer time. And basically what she did was she quoted uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 2 after Hannah uh, was expecting a child. And uh, the idea here is it's good for us to know the scriptures and to even pray the scriptures. Um, it, it's, it's a very healthy thing. Uh, and of course, this underscores the necessity for us to know his word so that we can pray through the scriptures.